You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He's not 100% healthy and. It was probably more of a product of, you know, trying to find 48 available bodies to play in the game. Look, we got a Thursday night game. Let's 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 get into the uh, study on that, and we'll see we'll see where he's at, um, and we'll go from there. Back here on Inside Black and Gold, I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. Brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. And that was Dennis Allen talking about Jameis Winston, who was active for this game as the back. And, you know, he was kind of responding to questions of whether Jameis would start next week, right? Is he going to be the starter on Thursday? If he was available to play today, you would imagine he would be. But what Dennis was saying there was he's not 100% healthy. And the reason he's active today is because you needed a backup quarterback because you had to cut Jake Luton. So I don't know. You know, he, he's leaving room for questioning there about how healthy Jameis actually is. And I would bet money that Jameis is on the starting line for that game, especially because you've kind of seen what you can expect from Andy. And I think you need a little bit more out of that position. But it'll be interesting to watch, and you don't have a lot of time to talk about it because that game's coming up on Thursday, and you got to turn right around to it. And I'm sure these players are happy to because they don't want to spend as any more time than they have to think about this game. Yeah, my, my other question besides how close is Jameis to being 100% is the fact that what about Jarvis Landry? What about Michael Thomas? Are we any closer to getting at least one of those top targets back? I think Chris Olave might have a chance to be back Thursday because he seemed to be progressing through that concussion protocol, but wasn't active. Obviously this game, I don't think that was a bad decision at all, considering how serious that, that concussion looked uh, last week, but he was able to go through practice and obviously was progressing through the NFL protocols, passing certain tests along the way. It's obvious. I think that the team needs more weapons because 
while I think Traquan Smith had a decent game this week, uh, Marquez Callaway as well. It just they're not your top guys, and this whoever is the quarterback needs more weapons around them. Obviously, I actually disagree on the Chris Olave front. I think you don't think he'll be ready. Well, I mean, to me, it's more likely that. Mike Thomas and Jarvis Landry are are ready and you were kind of keeping them out this week because you didn't think they would be able to play both games and you wanted them, you know, it, so like, think of it this way. Like if you could have got them out there at 80% for week six versus 90% for week seven by not playing week six, then you would have had them just play week seven, right? Because if you had them play at 80% in week six and then for week seven, they were 60%, which is probably a no go, then that's not beneficial and you're back to square one, right? I think that's probably what's happening with Mike Thomas and Jarvis Landry. Whereas Chris Olave is in a situation where if you are unable to clear him for this game, it is because of the atmosphere. It is because of the noise, the lights, the music, you know, and, and that's not necessarily going to change four days from now, right? You are more at the mercy of just, you know, your brain, <laughs> you know? And so if there were issues for this game, I am concerned that the issues will not be cleared up by Thursday. And there's really no way to know that. It's not like, okay, get some treatment. Like you got, it's, it's your brain working anyway. So see, for, me, not, for me, at least we saw Olave practicing. We still haven't, I didn't even see Thomas or Landry walk through the locker room this week. This past yeah, but, week. but but again, if he was able to practice and not get out there this week, there's clearly a limitation that has beyond that. So like practicing is one thing. Being out here with 70,000 people at lights blaring and music, that is a completely different scenario. And we are talking about a concussion. Right. Now, I think that Mike Thomas and Jarvis are close and you're resting them so that they can be ready. I think that when you're dealing with a head injury, it is, it's a lot more difficult. Look how long Taysom was out last year. It's, it's not as simple as saying, well, he's practicing, so he must be close. It's when is he cleared? And I don't know if that's going to change by Thursday. See, to me, I was like, at least he was questionable uh, with Olave. I just have no clue right now anything about Landry or Michael Thomas, except that, you know, Dennis Allen might be saying they're close to being back on the field, but the fact that we haven't seen them on the field, even riding the bicycle or walking through the locker room saying, hey, is is a concern for me on both uh, Thomas's toe and Landry's ankle. Yeah, but the unknown doesn't isn't a negative. It's just like they're not out there. So we don't know what they're doing, but I'm sure no, they're getting that's work. true. Just because right. we don't see them in the 20 minute window of practice doesn't mean they're not getting work in. So I, I don't know. I, I I expect we'll see one or both of them on Thursday. That would be my expectation. And I I expected to see Chris a lot. Like I expected if Chris Olave was practicing that he would have been cleared for this game. And the fact that he is not to me is a NFL thing. And that's where I'm concerned, right? They are no longer going to let people skate through the protocol. And four days is not going to change a ton. Well, unfortunately, one guy that will be back is DeAndre Hopkins, who is coming off suspension yes. just in time to play the Saints. Just in time. Just in time. The good news for the Saints is if those guys are back, they're rested. <laughs> right. So, you know, and, and that's why I think, you know, part of the reason you were you held Jameis out today is because, you know, you want him to be able to go into that fresh. And now you you also wouldn't have to worry about Andy Dalton turning around and playing on three days rest. And so, yeah, I I, I don't know. But. I said in the pregame that you really needed to win this game because that's a really tough trip to make on a short week. Um, and I don't know if you can even go in there and win that game. If you don't get bodies back, I have a really hard time seeing you go out to Arizona and winning that game. Um, but you know, now you have to. I mean, two and four, it's not a death sentence because of what we have seen across the league 
right? Yeah, the Bucks are the three NFC and three. South, right. The Falcons are three and three. Like you are still only a game out. If you string a couple wins together, you're right there, and you have head-to-head matchups at the end of the season with both of those teams. You just have to win a couple games. But two and five, you know, it's like it's like it. This is a you know, as as someone who grew up watching the Giants, it seemed like every year it was like, oh, they're two and seven. But if they just win their next six games, they'll be fine, right? At a certain point, that's just a lost cause. And I don't think the Saints are there yet, but it feels like they're getting close because this is ugly. No, and, and right now, you know, it's it hurts to talk about uh, a team. I don't, I don't want to say we're fans, but we're obviously pulling for the home team. I don't care what anyone says as a media member. You, you, you would hope that people want the team you're covering to do well. It just makes things a lot more fun. But right now, Jeff, it's like we're we're fighting now just to get to 500. And, and that's just rough. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Yeah, and and to me, you know, and so, yeah, sure. But <laughs> it's more, to me, the bigger frustration is not that you're you're losing games. It's how you're losing games. It's that you kind of felt like, okay, you have these offensive injuries and you have these struggles, but this team was built around the defense. And even last year, you saw with Taysom Hill at the end of the season, it was like, okay, you can win on defense if you play a certain way. Well, you played that way today, right? You played the Taysom Hill, don't turn it over, don't make mistakes, don't be extra aggressive, kick field Grind goal. It out. And you lost because the defense couldn't get it done. And so if you can't win games that way, I don't well, know. The, I, I mean, the, the 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 offense failed in the in the red zone as well. So I mean, you got to put that there too. We're getting yeah, field the, goals but, instead but, of like touchdown. you won a game nine to nothing last year, right? You won <laughs> you won kicking field goals last year and putting your defense in good positions. And you can say, okay, that last drive, the defense was not put in a good position, but the Bengals still got it at the forty and they scored on the first play. <laughs> like, it's yeah. not like you're you're you can't build a team around defense and say this is a defense first team and then not be able to do anything on defense in big moments. They couldn't do it against the Panthers. They couldn't do it against the Vikings. And now they couldn't do it against the Bengals. I put all three of those losses on the defense. I can't argue with you there just because there's been issues in the backfield. Uh, There's, you know, the loss of Malcolm Jenkins and Marcus Williams in the secondary. I thought they were a great pair together. And then, you know, there's another guy that swag factor is missing as well with CJ Gardner Johnson gone right now too. And I don't know. And to me that the D line is just not getting the job done either. There's problems up front. I don't know what's up with Marcus Davenport and cams cam. I think, you know, he's going to have his games where he's able to dominate, but just overall, uh, especially in the interior of the D line too, just not getting enough push up front. There hasn't been a point this season where I felt like, man, this defense is helping you win games. I mean, like in the sense that they are they are here and they are playing. That's one thing, but like even against the Seahawks, the game you won, you won in spite of the defense against the Falcons. Sure, the the defense held up, 
But they still got taken for a ride by Marcus Mariota in the first half of that game, the first three quarters of that game. They got the job done late, but they didn't have a great game. You know, against the Panthers, 67-yard touchdown when you needed them to, sh- to shut down, right? When you needed them to show up. You know, they played well against the Bucs in week two, and the offense, you could say the offense let them down. They held the Bucs to three points through three quarters. You should win that game. But in no, in none of the other games did I feel like this defense is being a dominant defensive group. Today, you obviously didn't have Marshawn Lattimore. I understand you didn't have Marshawn Lattimore, but, yeah, you know, it, it's frustrating. It is, and... You know, it's like we're like the the, uh, the battered spouse. I don't know. Keep looking at the standings and going, but but there's still a chance. There's still hope for this team. I I hate to put that comparison. It's probably te- terrible to say that kind of you know uh, with this, but still having hope that you can make way in the NFC South because you know the rest of the division isn't that good. Is is that how we should we should be thinking, or is it like? Or is this team as bad as this, the Carolina Panthers, who I don't even know how they're doing right now in their, their late-game matchup? Okay, the Rams have taken over, at least in that game. This is true. You know, a lot of teams are struggling in the NFL right now, right? The, unless you're the New York football team. So apparently, say, there you go. everything is on its head, and New York is the mecca of football again. Because the Giants beat the Ravens, the Giants are five and one. The Jets beat the Packers back to back weeks. Like what? the Packers went and lost to both New York teams. Unbelievable. <laughs> so I mean, like, there's a lot of teams that are out there struggling, right? So the Saints are not alone, and that means that they are going to have the ability to turn things around. But you have to turn things around. And the frustrating thing for me is, you know, I sit here every week and I tell you that there's talented players on this team. This is a good football team. They're going to figure it out. But they have shown no signs of that on the defensive side of the ball, from my view. Like that's that's been the nice thing about watching the Saints for the last decade plus is you could say, man, they're struggling, but you know you trust the coaching staff, you trust them to turn it around, you trust Drew Brees, you trust Tom Payton, Sean Payton. I said Tom Payton, trust Sean Payton, and I don't know if I can say that this year. No, and I see JGP Junior saying there, y'all okay? I don't, I, I don't think I am. I'm, I'm hurting from this one, really, Jeff. I really believed after that start that this team got off to on the Bengals. And like I said just before, the ability to run the ball, they were doing it so well uh, against a team that was so strong against the run. I think they were seventh in the NFL, the Bengals, allowing under 100 yards a game rushing. There was The penalties were cut down. That was at a minimum. And there were no turnovers, and they still found a way to give this one away at home. We can't even win back-to-back games in the Superdome anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, we knew that. That's not new. But that hasn't on. been the case I mean, for two years. To me, it's it's really insulting too. The crowd's been there. I've been impressed. These noon starts. It's always oh, they're so they're late arriving. You got to get into your seats early. And these fans were there. They've been there the last two weeks early. Uh, you know the Hudat chant going full force. Uh, the dome being loud on those third down plays, and they're still finding a way to just blow things. Yeah. No, the crowd had juice. The crowd had juice the last two weeks. Um, you can't blame the crowd. And then the team has has tried in the past. <laughs> Sean was Sean tried last year. I thought that was kind of weak because if you're not going to win a game at home, why are you expecting the crowd to be loud? But yeah, no, the crowd has been great. I, I didn't think there was any issue with the crowd. We there was some concern over whether they might cheer for the Bengals <laughs> because Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, all that. Joe showed was, up in Jamar's championship jersey. That was not the me, case. You know, there were some LSU shirts in there, but you know nothing crazy. To me, there was one little part in the fourth quarter where there was a murmur of a Who Day chant going on. Other than that, it was definitely full four Saints fans. Absolutely. Yeah. 
and and you know what you you saw a smattering of orange around the the dome it wasn't like that cincinnati Bengals fans i feel even had a huge showing in the superdome no no i, I thought the crowd was great today all right let's hit our last break and come back and just power through some of these questions they're not nice but we're going to hit them. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller inside Black and Gold. Brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason I say that a lot. I hope, I hope you hear it. All right. Coming back at you.